Hi, I'm Jules Hamilton, and this is the Good Summer Podcast, Keeping It Good. It's a chance for all of us to hear stories of people making a positive change in the world. The Good Summit is a space of gathering to celebrate common good in the world and to cultivate more of it. Join the Tribe of Good by signing up to our mailing list at thegoodsummit.com and learn where our latest gatherings are taking place, who is going to be there, and how you can get involved. Help us help you make the world a better place. Today on Keeping It Good, we are delighted to welcome the incredible Matt Callanan. Matt is a former worldwide DJ, music producer, filmmaker, a recently turned podcaster, a coach, international speaker and doer of good. He is the heart and soul behind the widely acclaimed We Make Good Happen movement, part of which is the Tenor for Good project, which has been covered by many media outlets, including the BBC. He is host of the number one podcast, We Make Success Happen, and was featured in the Times Alternative Rich List 2018. To us, Matt is a member of our family, having taken part in every good summit on these islands to date. And we are hugely excited to keep the connection alive by inviting him for a good old chat about good on our podcast. Matt Callanan, you are so welcome to the Good Summit podcast. Keeping it good, mate, it is good to see you. You are looking very well. I'm sorry that people can't see you. They can only hear you. But are you are you hearing as well as you're looking? Yeah, I mean, I'm in good spirits at the moment, you know, in these uh, sort of slightly awkward times. Um, things are going well. Lots of juggling going on, but yeah, going well. Well, mate, that's, that's got to be the, the first question for you, actually, is in these times, particularly these days, these continuing strange days, uh, how have you survived? How are you doing? That, that's really good of you to say now, yep, doing okay. Um, how, how have you done it? I think... It's uh, well, getting over the panic originally because I run a video production business. Um, and at that point, it kind of changed, and suddenly it went from like doing pretty good to zero customers, pretty much everything got stalled. Yeah. Um, and then it was that kind of time of like my kid who's five came back from school, and it's like, right, okay, this is getting quite serious. And uh, it was my wife that said to me, look, you've been talking about starting this podcast course for a while. I've been running a podcast and lots of people have been asking how to do various things. And that kind of gave me the kick up the bum Mm. to get started with podcast training and sort of move into that and that kind of online space, which has been really helpful. I mean, I'm not sure I would be in the position I would be if I hadn't have done anything. I think yeah. that's the thing that fear can do unusual things to it. So it can either make us retreat and do nothing yeah. and kind of hide in the cave, or you've got to go, right, this is fear kicking me at the bum. I need to actually do something about it. And uh, so yeah, you, I mean, it, 
it's not easy. I mean, we're just, my son's only just gone back to school. I mean, I was thinking he's been home, I don't know how many days out of the whole year. So, And my wife runs a business, so there's been a lot of juggling. It's definitely not been easy. But, I mean, I think the main thing is, you know, we're healthy. I mean, there's lots of people that haven't been so lucky. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah. I think still being here, like waking up and showing gratitude for what you have got is always a good reminder because mm, I think yeah. the fear sometimes can sort of take over. But yeah. actually, if you try and include a, a bit of gratitude, even if it's not every day, but a bit of gratitude in your week, that's a really good reminder of what you have got rather than what you haven't. Wow. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we might come back to that later in the conversation, Matt, but... Uh, I am, you know, maybe one day we will have a visual aspect of these podcasts and uh, and people will be able to see what I'm talking about. But for those listening, I am sitting in my hoodie and I've got an absolutely beautiful cup of coffee. I'm in a lovely sofa in the side of Four Feet Productions and Matt is sitting on a massive uh, big iMac in front of me and he's looking <laughs> excellent. He's got a bit of sparkle about him. And you, like, are you, are you in a, have you converted the top of your house or something, Matt? Because you've you've got this beautiful light coming in, like real light coming in. Yes, I mean that's another. Yeah, I mean, so I'm only really going down my office maybe like once every fortnight now, and so I've had to because I think time has become more valuable. So even just going down to the office, which might take me half an hour and half Mm -hmm. an hour to come back, that's an hour out of your day. And some days you might only have three hours in between homeschooling to actually do your work. So yeah. going down the office just seemed like a real waste of like real like precious time. So yes, have done kind of converted a sort of old room upstairs and uh, made it more usable. So well, it, it gives you it gives you an ande- an angelic flow around your person with that real light coming in. <laughs> so listen, Matt, can I take you back a few years? Um, this is the Good Summit podcast and you were one of the very first speakers in the Good Summit, the very first Good Summit event. Uh, it was amazing to connect with you, to hear a little bit of your story. Um, the really beautiful thing about, you know, in my mind, you, you know, like you're part of the Good Summit family. You know, you're, you're part of us and it's so amazing to see you keep on coming up with, with new stuff. Because, you know, whenever you came to the first Good Summit and you've been part of them all uh, ever since, but you came to the first one and it was this amazing project that you'd been doing and it picked up some noise on the BBC and, and other media outlets. But but now, like years later, you've, you've just multiplied this stuff. You just keep on finding new ways to be kind. At, can you take us right back? What shifted? And tell us about that first kindness project that had got off the ground really the year before uh, you you joined us in the very first Good Summit? Yeah, I think it comes down to purpose. I mean, in my 20s, I was lucky and got to sort of DJ around the world with my best friend and make music and make people dance and play to... I'm sorry, I can't get you to go (laughs) any any further than that. Just like travelling the world, international DJ... (laughs) This is going to sound funny to most people who know me, but have you uh, have you played clubs in Ibiza? Yeah, I mean, I won a, a competition to go and play at Space in Ibiza oh, with wow. Pioneer back in the day, and um, 
I nearly, well, I didn't win. The main prize was winning a, a residency at Space in Ibiza. So that could have changed, maybe changed my pathway <laughs> a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, but it's still nice. Yeah. So we used to play in Spain. We used cool. to play, for some reason, some of our records were really popular in southern Spain. Well, uh, La Balea yeah. Yeah, I mean, we didn't know this. We would be sort of playing to maybe hundreds, maybe a thousand people max in the UK. And then suddenly we went over to Spain. And this was kind of pre-internet days, really. Wow. And so you didn't really know how popular something was. And we went out uh, to Spain and absolutely massive raves out there. We're like, we're talking like tens, you know, 50,000 people. And people would say, oh, no, you're you're up on the main stage. You're the main guest because one of our records became really famous out there. We didn't really know, and yeah. So I had that was my twenties. Man, but- that is cool. <laughs> and the, the thing that'll sound funny to like good summer listeners is that like I've been to Ibiza. I've been in space. Like, oh, brilliant. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually, and believe it or not, I went with a faith based organization, and we went to, to like it's, it's called Twenty Four Seven Prayer, and the stories that I could tell about being with that organization on the streets of Ibiza in San Anne and trying to be a positive, helpful. Uh, uh, you know, just kind of influenced, but you know, we would help people <laughs> help people home whenever they can't even remember what hotel they threw their bag in. Whenever, <laughs> like that was like honestly one of the things about Ibiza. People would get off the plane, they'd be there, they'd go to the hotel, they'd throw their bags in, and they would run out of the hotel. They go completely crazy that first night. Their friends would leave them in a toilet or a gutter or somewhere. And yeah. then maybe one of the bouncers or something would phone twenty four seven, and 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 they would turn up and they'd be like, "Okay, do you know what hotel you're staying in?" I'd be like, "I have no idea." And it's like, "Show me your bracelet," and then you would see that they had a room key from a hotel that we knew. But anyway, listen, that's a whole other podcast. But I love Ibiza, <laughs> actually. I love I love the vibe there and the beats there and the dancing there. That like, that's that seems a very different place from uh, DJing in front of ten to thousands of people and in places in clubs like Space and Ibiza uh, very different to move into running kindness projects <laughs> well, so I think yeah that, go on mate. I, tell well, us well I think that there is there's definitely a connection there because it, I think it's connecting with people and if I sort of like come back to purpose, I think in yeah. my 20s, I think one of my, or what I thought my purpose was, was to either make people dance, to make music and potentially bring people to, together because yeah, there's yeah. a definite energy when you bring people together. You're same totally. as you bring people together in a community and it's how we communicate to those people. Like I was yeah. communicating to those people that were dancing via music. You know, you use your voice and stories and that's how we kind of connect people because yeah in certain environments coming together of people connects either there's a connection there or there's an energy um and i think there's there's real power in communities and crowds coming together and yeah and i think you know you're during your 20s you've probably got quite a sort of selfish viewpoint or not a sort of global viewpoint of What's important? I mean, some people got married, you know, they met in some of the crowds and festival crowds and they said, look, if it wasn't for you DJing, we would have met, never met and all this kind of stuff. And yeah. that's quite nice. There's yeah. some nice little stories like that. But really, in my 20s, it's not, it's quite 
you know, making people dance is is, is not going to save the world or anything. <laughs> I mean, it, it's definitely needed. We definitely need music and celebration and totally, dancing. That's, totally. But you're that's so great, right. But, but you're so right about the power of connection and gathering. You know, right in the base of the Good Summit is a belief that whenever we gather people together, something good can happen. And, and that's why, you know, going online last year, it was... You know, it was a big decision for us. We thought if we can't be together physically, are there still ways that we can be together positively? Um, and as it turns out, yes, there were. We, we, you know, we had lots and lots of small gatherings in schools, for example, to, to connect with some of our seminars. So we're, you know, we're massively big into the power of, of actual uh, physical human gathering and connection in those spaces and honestly I'm not sure I've been anywhere like Ibiza <laughs> you know for, for but like but the, that Balearic vibe you know the sunshine yeah. and then the music that goes with it you know the nonsense that's there as well is is in some ways it, it makes me just sad because the island and the music and the the vibe and it's it's an incredible incredible place but uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, me and my wife, we had a wedding ceremony there just because we, wow. we love it so much. I mean, there's lots to Ibiza, even though it's a very small island. There's obviously lots of yeah, uh, bits totally. of Ibiza that get in the press for various reasons. But there is, um, yeah, I mean, they say it's sort of this sort of magnetic uh, island full of energy. And um, yeah, totally. I mean, I love it. There's some great parts there. I, I, love it yeah. that, I love it that I asked you about, you know, tell us about your journey <laughs> to the Good Summit and we haven't got past you being an international DJ in your 20s. Okay, so, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll let you continue, mate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I sort of did that and I worked for the BBC and then started my own business, worked for BBC in London, came back to Cardiff. And, uh, yeah, I was just starting my own business and I kind of fell into the kind of lucky position again of being able... I love travel. Mm, and I got mm -hmm. to sort of travel around the world again, doing video and films for people. But actually, I was just sort of doing it. You know, it, it was good. I had some things were, which were exciting. I loved the travel. But actually, it was just like, do this project to bring in more money. And actually, there was no kind of underlying purpose there. Yeah. Yeah, And uh, yeah, it was about five years ago. I pretty much burnt out. So I'd just been doing too much. I'd been traveling too much. Um, I was just about to become a dad. And I kind of recognized this in new dads that actually suddenly the pressure or the thought of being a provider and then suddenly being a dad, mm -hmm. especially mm -hmm. when both of us in, um, you know, my wife works as, as well for herself. And suddenly the pressure of being a dad, I think just, it was just too much. I was just, wasn't being kind to myself. I was just trying mm, to wow. do too much, say yes to every kind of single opportunity that came my way, just doing ridiculous back-to-back -back flights all around the world. And I just burnt out. And it was during that kind of recovery, I was thinking, right, my son's on my way. I need to be kind of healthy. I need to be looking after myself. I don't need to be sort of saying yes to every single exciting opportunity that comes along. I can give that to, to someone yeah. else to do. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. I, was, I was really thinking, right, how can I be a better dad to my son? And I thought a lot about uh, my dad because he was really good in the community mm -hmm. and he was always doing things for the other. He, he was an electrician by trade mm -hmm. and he was always going around and helping others and fix their houses and fix their electrics. 
and he was involved with uh, the Mother Teresa group. So we were like bagging up clothes to be sent out to India when we were younger and wow. going down to food banks and the homeless, doing stuff with the homeless. And I think when I was growing up, you didn't really, you just thought it was normal. You just thought this is probably what every other family does. But actually it was when I was older, I was like realised that my dad was pretty special in that front, that, you know, not every dad is kind of thinking about other people, you know, even people in out in India and not just the centre of Bristol that are homeless. And um, yeah, it was just during that kind of recovery period, I was just kind of really kind of thinking, you know, what makes a good dad? How can I be a better human? You know, how can I look after myself? How can I be a bit kinder to myself? Wow. And wow. Uh, yeah, I got this gig with uh, to film a documentary uh, just for the day with George Clooney uh, for American TV. <laughs> Matt, I'm sorry. And, um, these conversations are good. Yeah, you know, let me just drop these things in. Okay, that's incredible. So, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I can't believe these, it as well. Yeah, it, it's like, here you go. You, so, you are having some life changes. You take the chance to step back, take a breath and go. It sounds like you were like, who am I and who do I want to be? you know, in the midst yeah. of life changes. And and then you get an invitation to go and spend a day with George Clooney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good, uh, yeah, that, that's an interesting chapter in and the it, book. <laughs> and I was kind of like, I, when I was looking through the lens, I was in, so we were in his UK house and he had this massive summer house next to his massive kind of mansion. And he'd just been built and he's really cool. And I was just thinking, this is really cool. I, I couldn't really tell, I, couldn't, I didn't even really tell my wife until the day before because I just didn't think it would happen. Wow, Plus, yeah. if you told loads of people, they'd be like, right, yeah, can I carry your tripod? Can I carry yeah, your camera? Yeah, I'll so follow keep you it really, in the car. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was just thinking, this is really incredible. And I was looking through the lens and there were only, um, there was one guy that worked for me and this producer had flown over from America. So there's only three of us in this house with George. And I was just looking through the lens, just thinking, this is like real honour to be with someone who's so influential and yeah. massive in yeah. film and Hollywood. And my dad had got me into videos and cameras and filmmaking. And I was just thinking, I was kind of happy and a little bit sad, just thinking, because he died of cancer at 58. Mm. And I kind of really mm -hmm. missed him. And mm -hmm. he hadn't really seen any of our kids being born and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, I was just thinking he would be really happy knowing that his influence had got me to this point right now where yeah. I was just looking through this lens at this kind of Hollywood legend. Yeah. And the documentary was about um, key kind of famous people using their influence and their power and their money to make a positive change in the world and they had interviewed people like Moby over in the UK um, over in America and some of these other people and so George was talking about how he helps and how he kind of he pays for satellites and does all these kind of visits all around the world to help make positive change and originally I was kind of wow. thinking well, of course, you know, you can do all this stuff because, <laughs> you know, of your status and all of this money. Yeah. And it wasn't really until he sort of started talking about, you know, the fact that we all have capacity to help whatever kind of status you're at. 
you don't need to be a Hollywood legend. You don't need to have lots of money. And that kind of clicked with me. And I was like, you're right. You don't. You know, my dad was doing it. He wasn't on a massive salary. He was just an electrician. But he had this great positive influence around where we lived in that kind of community. And I just thought, I was kind of looking through the lens, just thinking, yeah, you're right. I need to be doing kind of more of this. And this could be a really good position to be a role model for my son. So, yeah, we kind of packed up. I had an amazing kind of interview with George and we were just like, this is a brilliant day. That, and that's George, incredible. Can I, can I, can I ask, like, yeah. first of all, I, I love that process that, or the, you know, in your mind, it's like, yeah, I'm working, I'm here. You don't get work days like this very often. What a privilege. Oh my goodness, he, he hires satellites, which if you get 20 million per movie, you can afford <laughs> to do. And oh, hang on a second. Everybody has a responsibility. Like that's, that's an incredible, can, what, what was he like in real person? Like, was was he human? Was he, like, was he, yeah, he Hollywood, he, he, Hollywood kind of darling? Or, <laughs> I mean, he was really, really nice. Really kind of down to earth. Wow, that's, that's you know, he sort of comes in and shakes your hand and goes, "Hi, I'm George," and you're kind of in your head just going, "Yeah, I know, <laughs> I know who you are," sort of thing. I mean, he's yeah. beautiful in person. You know, lots of people are just like, "Oh, did you touch him?" and all this kind of stuff. <laughs> um, there's but yeah, he really down to earth. Yeah. He's just, yeah, really, really nice guy. There's there's something and, that does my heart good whenever I hear that some of those people, you know, people I know who've been in a room with them and, and they, they I hear things like you have just said, you know what, actually, in real life, they're really human and really decent. I just love hearing that about that level of person. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's what I want is in, to encourage is like more people in power and leadership roles and influence to be more kind because actually there's this massive ripple effect especially if they're in you know media and stuff like that they've got that's a lot of power that you hold and you can influence a lot of people yeah if you you know think a certain positive way so yeah but yeah we were just kind of packing packing up. up yeah yeah just packing up and um because he was having work in his house, he kind of walked back in. Originally, I thought he was walking in with one of the builders and, he's, and he kind of came back in. He's like, oh, do you mind if I come back in? And we're like, yeah, cause <laughs> is your house. And um, <laughs> yeah, he walked back in. And I looked up at the bloke who was with him and he walked up to me, this other guy, and I kind of stood up and um, I shook his hand. He goes, hi, I'm Bill. And he was Bill Murray. Who, who's what? my, yeah, he's my ultimate hero. And what? bizarrely, I don't know if this is like power of the mind and, you know, some the law of attraction, if you kind of believe that stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, he's been my kind of Holly, film Hollywood hero since growing up. We're like um, Groundhog Day and Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And wow. So I was just like shaking his hand, just thinking, is this kind of really happening? Oh, uh, wow. And I just sort of said hello. And um, he was like, George would just say, oh, yeah, I'm just showing him around my my new place. And so he <laughs> he just kind of like showed him around where we were sort of still packing up. And then he kind of like, it was pretty quick. And then he kind of walked out and he's like, oh, nice to meet you. See you, bye. And I could see the other guy that worked for me going, that definitely was Bill Murray, wasn't it? 
And so I was just like, this is um, incredible. Because only the day before, I'd been looking at this thing of like 10 of the best things that Bill Murray has done. So he would walk up to people and take a bite out of people's hot dog and say, no one will ever believe you and just walk off, you know. No way. And, uh, yeah, or he'd be, he'd jump behind a bar if there was someone's wedding, you know, if he was staying in the hotel, you, he would suddenly like pop up serving beers for everyone for the rest of the night at people's weddings. and all this. So he does all these kind of like random things. Wow, wow. Just because he can, he's Bill Murray. And I think he just yeah. obviously finds finds it quite entertaining. So I was like, that's bizarre. I was looking at this top 10 things that Bill Murray has ever done, like funniest things outside of filmmaking. Um, I was just thinking this is really bizarre. So on the way home, we stopped at a news agents and we were just like picking out snacks. And I bought a lottery scratch card for the first time because I was in the queue just thinking... You know, I've had this amazing day and it's yeah. like all about luck and everything like that. And I was like, I've, well, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty lucky. I might as well yeah. do it. Yeah. And uh, yeah, bought a lottery scratch card for the first time. And it's one of these ones where you have to match three numbers. And the first two numbers were £250,000. So I was just thinking, this is it. I'm going to be <laughs> a quarter of a millionaire. Wow. Um. And I, I really did think at that point, I was like, look, this is it. You know, this is going to be my day. Yeah. Um, but I ended up winning 20 quid instead. So I yeah. still won something. Initially, yeah, I was disappointed. Uh, but on the drive home, I was just thinking, well, this has been like a really magical day. Met George Clooney. He's a really nice guy. Met my hero, Bill Murray. And I've won some money. I thought... And I'd kind of been thinking over my head about this whole kind of purpose thing and being a good role model. And it's on the drive home and I was just thinking, right, I've got to do something with this winning £20 note. That's just a sign. And then a few weeks after that, I took, um, there's a big issue seller near where I worked. And occasionally I'd buy him sandwiches and stuff like that and just sort of, you know, have minimal sort of chat with him. Yeah. But this day, I remembered I had this winning £20 out and said, like, put away your magazines, come with me. And at first he was like, oh, what's going on? I took him <laughs> what, into what, the what? supermarket. No, no, leave me alone, yeah. strange man. <laughs> I, I mean, he was from, um, oh, where was it, like, Bulgaria or something like that. So his English wasn't amazing. Mm -hmm. Um so, yeah, I took him into the supermarket, gave him a basket, and I said, look, let's fill it up. The treat's on me. And so we went around the supermarket, filled it up. And outside, he just gave me this massive... Paid for it, obviously. <laughs> I didn't walk out <laughs> straight with it. Um, good, that wouldn't be good, too good. good. <laughs> um, but, yeah, outside, he gave me this massive hug, like pulled me in tight and gave me this massive kiss on the cheek and just tapped his heart. And just said, my brother, my brother. And it was at that moment I was thinking, okay, I've done something fairly simple. You know, it didn't really, it's only like, well, I ended up spending about 40 quid's worth of stuff on the food. But actually, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't a big amount of money. Didn't really cost me much. But it's obviously touched this guy. You mm -hmm. know, it's meant quite a lot to him. This kind of random ginger guy has just, <laughs> taking him into a supermarket and got him like a week's food or something like that or a couple of days' food. And I was just thinking, you know, it really warmed me. Yeah. And I thought, could I do 
more of this. And I was like really excited. I was like, went back home and I was like, I could. And I said to my wife, I said, look, I'm going to do 100 good deeds. I'm going to blog about it. I'm going to involve my son. It could be a really good thing for him to learn about in the future. And I was like, this is great. This is going to do 100 good deeds. And my wife was like, 100? I could do, that sounds way too easy. I could do that um, in a week. And I was like, what? <laughs> what? Fantastic. Um, <laughs> and then um, it just sort of developed from there. So she's basically said, look, you need to come up with a bigger number. It needs to be, you know, something that's going to make a bigger deal out of it. It's not going to be so easy. Yeah. So I came up with the idea of doing 403 good deeds to positively impact twelve thousand, um, to impact positively impact twelve thousand people. It's because there's, um, I was thinking, is there a Bill Murray connection to a number? And so someone has worked out in Groundhog Day where he's basically in that loop uh-huh. that actually it would have had to have taken him twelve thousand four hundred and three days to have come out of that loop, <laughs> that Groundhog loop. <laughs> Um, so that kind somebody, of number stuck to me. Somebody has too much time on their hands. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. <laughs> and so, yeah, what just started out as this father-son project developed into We Make Good Happen and something kind of much bigger than just me and my son just because I think people started seeing what we are doing and wanted to get involved. This podcast is proudly supported by the amazing folks at Thought Collective a team of designers and developers who create brands and digital products to captivate the crowd and communicate effectively. They make the Good Summit look great. Check them out at www.thoughtcollective.com. Matt, that is incredible. We make good happen is your organization and so many other things sprout from that now, but... What I really, like what I want to ask you about is like you, you, you created an awareness because there's a lot of the things that you just talked about and like you, you've, you've got a glint in your eye as you're talking about them. It's like the memories warm you. Uh, it's like it's, you know, I can tell that it's real. I can tell that these things, you know, come from, from, from a place deep within you. And I know people who have had similar experiences, which might actually be most of us most days, and and we miss them. We don't see any of the magic in them. We we're not to be, for want of a better phrase, we're, we're not fully aware of what's going on around us, or or our our place in the world, or ourselves in the world. Uh, like you cultivated a real awareness. Uh, of what was going on around you and the person that that you were choosing to be in the midst of that. And then that led to this incredible we make good happen. Like fair play to you, sir. That's if we could build a world of awareness and and people just questioning themselves and their purpose that you just talked about, or you know, that moving towards a place of gratitude. You know, you said earlier on, every day, you're just kind of learning to see, uh, you know, ha- have a habit of thankfulness in every day because, hey, we're still here. And actually, there's a lot of people that aren't. So those those habits have been fully aware of the present and, and practicing goodness and kindness in the midst of it. Like, 
you just said all of that so naturally and and like beautifully. And here's my story, but it's an incredible story of actually living in the present and being aware to to what's been going on. Uh, and we're still only at the start of it. <laughs> <laughs> so tell yeah, tell us about we make good happen. You know, tenor for good was one of the the big initial things, was it? Yeah, so I just started doing things with my son. I mean, he was like two, he was barely kind of walking and we would just sort of go around to uh, the nursery and just sweep up and clear up litter in the playground and all this kind of stuff. Wow. So from quite a very young age, I kind of used to gamify stuff with him and um, <clears throat> and over time he's he's got to recognise um kindness so we just would start doing things so i would be you know paying for uh, a woman's food behind me in the cafe or in front of me and stuff like that mm-hmm. and he would ask questions and say things like um oh why why did you why did you do that for that woman or why did you buy that person's food and so it was a really nice kind of example role role model kind of scenarios that I would then say, oh, actually, it's just um, it's to do kind, it's to be kind, it's to, that's Brilliant. a great way to be Brilliant. a human. So he's kind of grown up oh, seeing yeah, well, we need me do these kind models. of... We need yeah, those role models. Yeah, which is models. good. Yeah, thanks for <laughs> And that. it was really nice. And only the, the other week did I realise it had fully kind of clicked with him because I was taking him either to school or the supermarket or something, and he was in the car, and this van kind of waved us out uh, to to drive away, and I kind of drove on. He said, "Oh, do you know why that man uh, let you out?" And I was like, "No, well, expecting like a quite sort of a quip, quippy kind of funny answer." And he just said, "Oh, he must know that you're the the kindness man," <laughs> which wow. is great. It was really heartwarming. Yeah, not only because he thinks I'm this this kindness man, but actually. I think the the deeper lesson is that he's actually recognised what kindness is. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, him, another guy letting me out. That's the actual act of that's even though it's a tiny act of kindness that people do every day. Some people don't, <laughs> but actually, he it was good that a five year old can recognise what an act of kindness is. And I, I thought that for me, that's feels like it's come like full circle, as in. Um, you know, job done. That was my whole reason. In you know, part of the reason was to influence him and be a good role model, but also to wow, you know, spread it out. But yeah, so that was really nice, and it was Matt, funny that he really kind of recognised. <laughs> yeah. He recognises what kindness is. I think that's the brilliant thing. But, but yeah, so we had started doing those. Yeah, go on, Jules. I was just going to say, like, that's you know, that that's the Jesuits. You know, the Jesuits are like, yeah, give me a give me a boy until he's sadly that's always like, give me a boy with the Jesuits. But like, give me a boy until he's seven, and I'll give you the man. You know, so those practices and those habits that you've been putting into, like, I love that you got that response. I love that you you got to see this. This is. This is working, and and in, at that age, that's the stuff that goes in really deep uh, and begins to form the character. So, man, I'm really that's to form a habit and an understanding of kindness. Uh, uh, oh, mate, that's and the the way. And sometimes he will. <laughs> I mean, there was one instant where he was a little bit, probably a year ago. And um, I saw we were going to the park in our local park and to the playground and he ran off ahead 
and he opened up the gate to the park, uh, to the playground, because he had spotted a young mum in a pushchair with a kid walking up and he had sprinted off ahead and held open the gate open. And I was like, that's brilliant. Uh, and you, when I asked so him why he did that, it was really nice to sort of hearing him saying, well, I could see that they would probably need help. And so he used his own initiative without me going, I'll go and hold the gate open. He had used his own brain power and intuition and did that. And I was saying, that's brilliant. At a four, that's kind of what you want to do is, yeah. um, you know, influence. Because I think it all is, as adults, we have lots of influence, especially over over kids, isn't it? So um, I think if you can do that, that's brilliant. But yeah, we just started doing that. And then I was sort of posting up stuff on social, on Facebook and stuff like that. And then people would say, oh, can I get involved? Or how can I help out? Because I think genuinely most humans want to help out if they can. Yeah. And quite often, I've kind of realised this, that quite often they don't want to be the person, the first person that does stuff Mm -hmm. or the person that organises it. Mm -hmm. You know, most people are happier to follow someone else Mm -hmm. and jump Mm -hmm. on board because one, I think there's a number of factors. One, it's less effort. You know, I think as humans, we're probably, I think there's a big percentage of us that are all lazy. I think all of us are inherently lazy. So it's less um, to organise. Also, I think there's a sense of failure or attention because there's a thing of like, if you organise something and it doesn't go down well or fails for whatever reason or doesn't work out, that actually suddenly that might feel like a a failure. So I've realised, you know, part of my role is to organise stuff so other people can help out Mm -hmm. because... Mm -hmm. We definitely need more organisers, but I think as a majority, most people would rather follow, you know, get on board with something that's already going Mm -hmm. by someone Mm -hmm. else. Mm -hmm. Don't know whether that's down to fear, organisation, or just time and stuff like that. Um, Yeah, and we started doing things like, um, there was a 100-year-old lady called Marjorie, 100-year-old lady called Marjorie in her care home, and she didn't have any family. And people were sending her birthday cards and it was her birthday. And I thought, well, let's take it up to the next level. And so we went and put on a big birthday party in the care home, obviously with the the care home's permission. And um, (laughs) yeah, we had like singers. uh, They were doing like gentle, we had someone doing gentle exercise with the the people in the care home, people reading poetry. Uh, there were all loads of kids there. Wow. And um, <laughs> we had a massive cake with 100 candles on. I mean, that nearly burnt the care home down, which, <laughs> which, wouldn't have, which wouldn't have been good. But it was so lovely. And <clears throat> because there were probably like 20 of us that went down there, so we were all chatting to the other residents in the care home. And it was lovely just to connect. I mean, that... If you, if you haven't got money, just connecting with people and giving up your time and listening to them, like giving them attention, you know, that is really valuable. And that's what we did. It just gave the other residents attention. They absolutely loved it. I mean, I had some of the care home people, the people actually in the, the residence, just saying, this is the best day I've ever, <laughs> ever spent wow. here. And um, wow. yeah, so we gave Marjorie a cake and then sort of take it up to the next level. We adopted her kind of adopted her Mm. as our We Make Good Happen Nan. 
<laughs> so I would go back and visit her on birthdays yeah. and like Mother's Day and Easter and all this kind of stuff. And that's beautiful. Yeah, I think that only cost me like a hundred quid, but actually it's the idea. Yeah. You yeah. know, it doesn't have to cost much. Actually, it's just the idea. And then, yeah, just started doing things like that. And then the thing that kind of took it to the next level for me that went viral <coughs> was this thing called Tenor for Good. And um, I, I was kind of thinking about uh, money and what good you can do or what acts of kindness you can do for with money. And I was just thinking, well, actually, you don't really need that much money. Like I said, it's sometimes the idea and what you do with that money that can be really effective. Absolutely. So I decided to hide these envelopes around Cardiff where I lived and I did it in Dublin at the Good Summit as yeah, well. Yeah. And I hide uh, envelopes with £10 in or €10 Euros in just with a little note inside it that basically just says, well done, you you found some lucky money. Um, one, don't spend it on yourself. Secondly, go out and do something good with it. And it's really interesting to see what people will will do with it. And I don't, I mean, people will say, oh, they're, they're going to spend it on this. They're going to do that with it. Or they're going to go down the pub with it, with their mates. And I, well, actually, <laughs> even if they go down the pub with it, with their mates, it's still making maybe them happy and maybe a friend happy. Um, yeah, if they're using actually, it to people, buy a round, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't think you get much, much of a round with 10 euros in, or 10 pounds these days. In Dublin, you're not even getting yourself <laughs> one drink. But. <laughs> but yeah, people went off and did really kind of nice things like homeless packs and like kids who kind of got involved as well. Like when I do this, I take Turner for Good either into schools or scouts or brownies. They're... They come up with some incredible ideas. Like they will use the £10 to buy baking materials and then bake cakes and then multiply it out and then put on a little table and a store and turn it into this kind of little thing that magnifies that £10. Wow. Um, but yeah, people now have done it all around the world from America to Australia. I mean, I even had one guy get in touch with me and do it in. Uh, Africa, which is incredible. And it's just, it creates these lovely kind of little ripples out of, yeah. Yeah. of kindness. And I think it's just getting people to think, oh yeah, you don't need that much money to make a difference. And do you have a little piece of paper map that says, uh, congratulations, well done, this is for you, uh, do not spend it on yourself, and then tell us about it on this email or our website. Is there so how how do you yeah. get how do you get like the stories of what people have you know, have chosen the decisions that people make with that? Yeah, so I include this just this one sheet that just says like here's some ideas. Be great if you could let us know what you got up to it, and so these kind of trickle back, and um, yeah, Russell Howard. Uh, heard about the idea in in the UK. Basically, he's got a TV show and he does this kind of good news section. Yeah, and he had me on the show, and he then went and did did it around London. I think he put a thousand pounds in tenors and hid it around the place. And <clears throat> not only the fact that he did it himself in London. I mean, he put he made the same template, he basically copied my template yeah. and then put it out to his millions of people on his socials. 
But also wow. the fact that that TV show gets shown around the world. Yeah. Is that yeah. so sometimes I will get emails from people in Canada just saying, Oh, I've seen your idea on TV here in Canada. I'm gonna go and do it in my local community. And so it's it's really nice that the fact that Actually, you've got one idea and it's just been amplified. That's incredible. Because either it gets in the press or, you know, once it goes into maybe a TV show that gets shown around the world on repeat as well, which is the the cool thing, that (laughs) that can just amplify as a a simple idea (laughs) that I had here in Cardiff. It's cool. Yeah, but doesn't it get amplified because you touch the deepest part of human connection, which is like what we can do for other people? You know, humans are made to be to be connected and, and we're made to look after each other. You know, we are, you know, biological creating animals. And, and so to, to create meaning and purpose and to create love and goodness and kindness, that's what we want. And so you came up with this brilliant, simple, generous act, uh, which then people have got hold of. And they're like, yep, I can do that. I can I can participate in that. Like it, it, it's an amazing thing. Like, what is the, or what are some of the crazy things that you've got back that you were like, I could never have imagined somebody using the tenor for that. Have you have you received any of those messages? Um, well, I mean, there's the thing that I'm still amazed at is that as well as starting this kind of we make good happen, I run a podcast called We Make Success Happen. Yeah. Originally, I was going to do it as a kind of kindness podcast. But then I thought, and this is always a kind of a thing about kindness, is that sometimes you're just preaching to the converted mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when actually you want to try and reach people outside of that really circle. Good, maybe really the un- true. Or right, <laughs> right through to the unkind people right on the edges. Um, <laughs> the unclean. <laughs> yeah, well, unkind. Well, they could be unclean as well. <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah I instead of starting a podcast about being good or kindness I called it we make success happen because I thought actually if I can because I'm really interested in what success means to people yeah if I can get people like yourself Jules on the, the podcast Go and listen to Jules' episode. It's a really good episode. And, oh, and Amma's on there as well. Yeah. And Myron's also been interviews it was, on there as well. It was a delight to participate in it. It's a great podcast you're on. It really is. Yeah. And I think if I could a- attract the right sort of guest and have this kind of undercurrent of people who are doing positive things in the world, and sometimes I'll, I'll be more blatant and say, what will what does kindness mean to you? As well as asking, yeah. what does success mean to you? And so I, <laughs> I'm kind of, I mean, I did a little talk to um, a couple of hundred women about a year ago, just basically sort of revealing this and just saying, look, I don't make this public, that actually it is um, a podcast about people taking positive action, but I don't frame it like that because I know through looking at research that um, women are kinder than men. Mm-hmm. And so my, my underlying theme with this podcast is to subtly batter men over the head with kindness. Um, Fantastic. <laughs> and, and, and people have actually got back in touch with me and said, <clears throat> because I've heard you talk about this or interview this person, I've gone out and done this, which is really nice. You know, they've listened to stories 
and that's influenced people that I may not have reached just from doing We May Good Happen yeah. or being at the Good Summit. Yeah. And the best story for me is that I had this guy quite early on, uh, this guy called Adam from Taking Pictures, Changing Lives, and he uh, goes around, he used to go around the world, but he basically tr- offers his uh, pro photography skills and filmmaking skills to charities around the world that can't afford to do press and take good photos or do good videos and help yeah, tell their stories. Yeah, yeah. Because you know the power of the story and <clears throat> unfortunately first impressions count. If you've got a photo, a rubbish photo, trying to tell the story of your charity versus another charity that looks more polished and you can see the end result. Totally. You're probably, yeah. as humans, going to go with the charity yeah. that looks a bit more polished because yeah. you think, well, they're probably going to do better things with my... yeah. 10 yeah. or my 20 quid or my 50 euro or whatever. And so he saw this real gap of helping these charities tell their stories. And they've seen a big uplift since using him. And he just donates his time uh, and skills for free, which I'm a really big believer in. And just through interviewing him, there was this uh, pilot out in Dubai that I didn't know. And he had just listened to one episode with uh, an ex-pilot previously and then carried on listening to this other episode uh, where we were interviewing and talking to Adam. We were talking about donating your time and skills for good and all the great work that he does out in Africa. And he got in touch with me and just said, look, if you got Adam's details, he got in touch with Adam and said, look, really like what you're doing, heard you on the podcast, how can I help out? And he started donating money regularly to Adam's project. And then Adam took that money, bought a brand new digital SLR camera and some lenses and took it out to this local photographer. This local um, African photographer started taking much better photos because of this amazing camera. Yeah, yeah. And then as well as taking pictures for this project, he was able to freelance and bring in money for his family and this this guy, and he earned so much money, this African, uh, from this camera that he was able to buy a piece of land and build a house on it for his family. Wow, and you okay. think, that wow. is just an incredible domino effect of, uh-huh. you know, me interviewing someone on a mic like we're doing now yeah. and telling stories and showing the impact, the positive impact that it can have. And that will influence a listener who's out in Dubai who I've never met. And that has resulted in some guy out in Africa being able to buy a piece of land and build a house on it. And that is an incredible domino effect. (laughs) I absolutely love that. That is a great story. Um, Yeah, like if you're listening to this and you're being inspired and you're, you're like, okay, what can I do? Tell us about it. Let's keep the dominoes going. We want to know about the good that's in the world. We want to know about the kind that, that that's the kindness that is happening. Matt, you must have, you know, for every story like that that you know, there must be so, so many more that you will never find out uh, because of the goodness that's rolling out, those ripples that you talked about, because you can never tell them all. Uh, and mm. I, I think that's just, it's brilliant for us to have connected with you. Like we at the Good Summit, we just love what, what you're doing. 
Uh, we got time for one more little thing. Can you tell us, like, we're at the end, coming towards the end, we hope, uh, of uh, kind of lockdown times in this strange world of 2020 and 2021. Uh, what are the things that are giving you excitement and hope for the future as you look towards the next uh, year or two? Like, even in the midst of lockdown, you've you've talked about making new things happen like you know you, you've done really well with it so what is next for Matt Callanan and we make good happen yes yeah, so I'm doing a documentary with the BBC BBC Radio Wales on kindness called give kindness a chance which will probably be out when you're listening to it so mm-hmm. go and have a look on that the BBC sounds and I pitched a week of kindness with the BBC as well so wow. it's kind of involving all the the DJs here in Wales, which is good, and we're trying to encourage listeners to go out and do simple things as well, which brilliant. is brilliant. So it's great yeah. that that can start rippling out. I think the thing for me is, you know, this whole period has, I think, has made us rethink, and I think questions are really important. You know, when I burnt out, it was the questions that I was asking myself that became important, as in, you know, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? What's our purpose? And hopefully during this time, lots of people have asked, you know, why do we go to work here nine to five? Why why do we earn money? What what are we doing with our money? How are we looking after our communities? How could we engage better with our neighbours? Yeah. And I think if we, more people ask better questions of themselves, of their family, their bosses, their employees, of like, how could we make a better world? I mean, I think it's really interesting that people are looking at universal basic income. You know, if you took away the need to have a job, so to speak, what could we do in the world? What goods could we do in the world if you that pressure was taken off? Because I think there's lots of systems that have been put in place that reap the rewards for a a few small individuals or big brands. But if you could take away the need for earning money in the traditional way, because I think the traditional way has been ripped up in in some ways. And so this is a brilliant opportunity. Before everyone goes, right, we need to jump back into the offices and resort to what we were doing before, we need to be asking better questions of how can we live better on this planet and how can we live better with other people? Because we're not here for long. We don't want to be spending the the majority of our life in work just to earn money to buy things that we don't really need and then we're dead. And then just thinking, well, that was a... (laughs) That was a bit of a waste. <laughs> Can I go to level two now? <laughs> is there a level two? Oh, no, because if there isn't, you've wasted a hell of a lot of time, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, you have. Yeah, you have. Matt, that is a brilliant challenge uh, for us to end on. It's a great word. Live with your eyes open, people, and not just your eyes, but live with your heart open uh, and ask better questions. That's that's a brilliant challenge. Matt, you're an absolute inspiration to us. Thanks so much for joining us on the podcast. And can I ask you this? Are you still DJing? 
Can you still well, DJ? Behind, <laughs> uh, there's there's a vinyl deck behind me and some vinyl. I cool. mean, I don't know. I, I could probably still DJ, but yeah, I don't get much opportunity. Well, well, I get I get to write music maybe once every two months just as a hobby now as a well, mate, sort of release. It's, it's, it's pretty simple. You know, with every question, <laughs> there's, there's a, it's like the next good summit, uh, the next big <laughs> gathering for the good summit in Dublin, we got to get you putting on some tunes for us as well <laughs> uh, and keeping the party going into the night. So uh, maybe next time you're back as well as bringing a family, we'll get you to spin some tunes as well. It's a pleasure. Well, I love what the good summit stands for and does and it's brilliant watching it grow and positively impact and influence more people yeah so it's great an amazing project and brand to be involved with cheers matt you're a channel man we'll see you soon this has been the good summit podcast brought to you in conjunction with forfi it was produced by lee mcmahon with eva mcnulty for the good summit music was provided by the fabulous Ian Archer. Stay connected with us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at The Good Summit and find out all you need to know on www.thegoodsummit.com and come back and join us again next time. Till then, go forth, do some good. Peace to you and to the world. world.